The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line. I'm Kevin Walsh, joined by Donnie Wright, side here for hour number two on a Tuesday morning. The NBA Finals off today, but it doesn't mean we cannot reset these odds here and see if anything jumps out. Right now, the Golden State Warriors and the Celtics are tied 1-1 after the first two games in Golden State. Game number three sees Boston as a three-and-a-half-point home favorite, but Golden State has a slight edge right now in the odds to win the NBA Finals. Minus 115 compared to Boston's Minus 105. Here's the question, Donnie. In your opinion, who should be favored to win the NBA Finals? I do think the Golden State Warriors should be favored with the NBA Finals. And I actually think the FanDuel Sportsbook, Kevin, nailed the minus 115, minus 105 splits here. It's one to one. You can't say coming into this series that you had a decided favorite in the Golden State Warriors about that minus 160 price. They lose game one, but win game two. And you say, well, they're just not as good as we thought they were. That can't be the case here. So one to one was probably anticipated going back to Boston and maybe two to two by the time they head back to San Francisco. But I think they nailed it here. Minus 115 seems like an appropriate price for me for the Golden State Warriors, Kevin. While I understand it could be nitpicking, I can't agree. The Boston Celtics have taken home court advantage in this series. I know Golden State hasn't lost back-to-back games. Neither has Boston during this postseason. Someone's going to have to break that streak if they want to go out there, or the Golden State Warriors are going to have to break that streak if they want to go out there and win this NBA championship. And no, oh, well, Golden State, what if they take home court back? This Boston team is an outrageous 8-2. and 8-2 and two on the road during these playoffs here. This thing is on its way back to Boston, and Boston is favored to win game number three. What do the Boston Celtics' odds look like if they take down game three? Minus 170? That's what they were when they won game number one. I feel like that's a lot of movement here. I think Boston should be closer to a minus 130. Again, we're maybe nitpicking, right? Maybe these things are close, but I'm I'm just, I think right now, with Boston having home court now in this series, they're being a little undervalued. If you try to sell me on it this direction here, I guess it's the idea, Donnie, that you're alluding to of we're probably 2-2. After we play four games, but I don't think that's a guarantee. Boston has them are going to be favored in each of these next two games. Like, what does this series look like if it's three one after we finish up here in Boston? The Celtics are are what minus five hundred, maybe even better. 
be more than that at that point. And, and you're right, because when you take a look at the games coming up here, games three and four, it's easy to say in your mind, oh, they're just going to split these games by the time they head back to Golden State and play game five. And I talked yesterday with Ben on the morning after, what's going to happen in game three if the Celtics come out, Kevin, as they're being favored? And I don't care what they win by, five points, ten points, or one point. If you have the Celtics up 2-1 to one in this series, quite frankly, I think the Celtics are going to win it. So if I'm looking at one of those perspectives we're coming into this you know, series overall, game one, I thought the winner of that would be able to take the series because I figured the Golden State Warriors would handle that game as one of their easier victories coming off of rest for them and not so much rest here for the Celtics. But the fact now that comes up, Golden State Warriors for me, Kevin, they got to take game three because if you think that they're just going to cruise into game four down two to one in Boston and just play a great game and walk out of there with a victory, you got another thing coming to you here because that's at the point where you start to step on the champion's neck and say, we're going to take this series overall. I'm fascinated to see game three, what comes up because for me, Golden State absolutely has to win game three for me if they want to win this series. All right, so right now we got the radio audience coming into the fold here on a Tuesday morning. Kevin Walsh and Donnie Wrightside talking about the NBA Finals. I, I love when this happens. It doesn't happen all the time. Just a, a pure natural disagreement here. I actually think the onus is way more on Boston in game number three. Because if they drop game three, season on the line, game four. Season on the line. You go to Golden State down 3-1, doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're not winning this series. I'll tell you that right now. You are, you are not LeBron James. You are not built like that. This will sound maybe a little bit crazy, but if we go 3-1 back to Golden State, obviously Boston will be in the driver's seat, no doubt. But Golden State will be able to say to themselves, all right, look, we're home for game five. Everybody will expect them to win game five. All you would need to do is take game six in Boston, and then you have game seven on your home floor. I think you look at a Celtics team here. If you drop game number three, season on the line in full effect out there in game number four, that's kind of the, the worry point for me for the Celtics because if you drop game three, now Golden State's, all right, we can beat them twice. We can win in Boston. They get all of a sudden that house money game here. It's, it's interesting, but I think the Celtics have a little bit more on the line when we talk about game number three. I, and I agree with you there to, to a certain degree, but I'm looking at it from this perspective if I'm the Golden State Warriors and I lose game three to the Boston Celtics. You know what that probably means? Steph probably had 30, but Klay Thompson did another three for 19, and you might not be getting him <laughs> back for this series at an ultra level. So if they win game three, you know what that means? Draymond probably got double digits, close to a triple-double. Steph Curry probably went for 30, and the return of Klay Thompson. If they lose game three, it means a lot of things are going off the rails here, and I don't know if you can just pull that together for game four on the road. You know what's also, you, you mentioned something, and again, tomorrow we'll be able to break this down, the Steph Curry performance. Steph's points prop for tomorrow's game is 28 and a half. He has been fantastic through two, 34 game one, 29 and only three quarters of work in game number two. But you highlighted this early in the playoffs. Steph in Golden State, Steph on the road, it's been a little bit different there. I would think unders for Steph in Boston, and that, does push towards Boston's direction. That'll be one of the big props that we break down tomorrow. We'll talk about the Stanley Cup playoff odds next year on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. folks the important people are watching so let's keep let's keep it rolling right Right. here on the early line the stanley cup playoffs right now we've got one team that is going to be already uh solidified in their position to be inside the finals the winners of the west the colorado avalanche here sweep the edmonton oilers you know this is one of those series edmonton had earned a lot of respect from people after being able to take four in a row off of calgary after they dropped that first game People thought that we were in for a series that I thought people, a lot of people were expecting would go at least six games. Now, this series was maybe closer than the sweep indicates, but for me, it's not about Edmonton falling short. The story is the Colorado Avalanche looking like the best team, pillar to post, throughout this hockey season. They are minus 210 to win the Stanley Cup playoffs, regardless of who they face coming out of the East, whether it's Tampa or New York. And rightfully so. This Avs team has been this good all year long. And I don't think there's going to be many people, again, regardless of who comes out of the East, that are willing to pick against that team to win this entire thing. Yeah, you got two good goalies here coming out of the East. But quite frankly, will it even matter at this point? A four-game series where you saw the Avalanche score 22 goals. Game one, eight goals. Game two, four. Game, like, and also, games two and three. Like, oh, man, only scored four goals. Have you said to yourself in an NHL hockey team heading into the Stanley Cup playoffs, we're going to score a minimum, and we're only going to get four goals each game. You'd say, you know what? How much is the odds for that team to win the Stanley Cup? They're going to win it here. Because quite frankly, they've been astounding on offense. And I know one of the wagers that you brought up here, it's a shame because I saw Dreisaitl go nuts with points. If I would have told you what Dreisaitl had four points last night, oh, he had to have at least two goals and two assists at that point here. No goals in that game, but did have four assists. It's been maddening to watch. And if you are an overbacker, you got to have some fun, even though you only actually went two and two in that series. But if you're looking from a score or production standpoint, Boy, oh boy, the Avalanche gave you that in those four games. Yeah. The dry saddle thing is tough. He had, like you said, even if it was four games, hey, he's going to have six points. Uh, we're good here. We're good. No way, no way two of those were not goals, which was tough. And that was the other thing is, as that game was playing out, I'm like, all right, cool. At least you're going to get the fifth game. Maybe he can catch fire in the fifth game. Colorado comes all the way back 
to you know cross the finish line there. And again, you see a big minus 200 price on this team for whom, again, regardless of who they face. That, that's clearly a, a big number there. The one thing that's interesting is the Rangers, despite being favored to win the series, have the same exact odds as the Lightning to win the Stanley Cup, both at plus 400. Tonight, Tampa Bay is a minus 180 range favorite, five and a half total here with minus 130 juice to the under. The Rangers took the first two, were up 2-0 in game number three. I think the Rangers are going to remain live in Tampa Bay. I think this is the Rangers series to win. How do you feel as we head into game number four of the Eastern Conference Finals? I mean, quite honest with you, if if you're playing, you know, how do these two teams match up over the first three games of the series? Rangers dominated game one. Rangers dominated game two. Rangers dominated, what, 66%, I guess, of game three and sort of just fell apart a little bit at the end. It, it, am I wrong to believe right now the Rangers are the better overall team in this series? And how many times do we have to say in hockey? You go on the road, right? It's sure, sure, you want home ice advantage, I get that. But if you have one of the best, if not the best goalie in the NHL, isn't that where you take your chances on a team and say, if I look at both of these guys, Vasilevsky is a sensational goalie as well. But if I have, you know, Shesterkin in this and I take a look at plus 150, I'm taking, I got to be honest, I'm taking the Rangers to that plus 150 price because from what mm -hmm. I've seen outside of just that third period or late third period antics here by the Lightning, the Rangers have been better. And I'm going to assume that it's going to continue here. Rangers plus 150 for me tonight. Sure, I'll take it. I think it lines up. Here's the other thing. I know we've got consecutive games now that finish 3-2. I think the 5.5 actually with plus money to the over can line up here. Igor had 49 saves despite allowing three goals in game number three. If the Lightning can, op can find the back of the net here, I think the Rangers have shown they're going to have a bit of juice as well in this series. I think look, you get 3-2 and you can cash an empty netter, and you cross that finish line there, it does feel like the floor to me is five. So I, I think a plus money, the over can line up here as well in game number four of the Eastern Conference Finals. Excited to watch that play out. The, another thing I want to hit, though, as we move off of the Stanley Cup playoffs and go back to the NFL, the big story is Aaron Donald gets paid. Big money, the highest paid non-quarterback in the sport, which automatically will point your eye towards the defensive player of the year market. And can Aaron Donald take this down after being paid? Uh, I'll say this right off of the bat here. I would not worry about a lack of motivation for Aaron Donald. While I understand he flirted with the notion of retiring and clearly getting that Super Bowl was the big box he needed to check there, DRS. He has the third best odds at plus 800. There's never been a season where Aaron Donald has been a bad bet in the DPOY market. I don't think that's going to start this year. No, it probably won't start this year, and he's certainly going to be up there. But for me and my money, typically I'm going to look towards guys that are going to lead the sack market in the NFL. So if you look at Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, Micah Parsons, Bosa brothers coming behind him, Khalil Mack also, Chase Young. There's a reason why that Aaron Donald is sort of that outlier right here because that's how tell. Excuse me, that tells you how good he actually is. A defensive tackle that always gets double and triple teams, and we always it's harder to get up the middle where you got to defeat not only a center and a guard 
yard, but then probably a running back as opposed to a defensive end that says, hey, let me whip this left tackle here. And it's open season on the quarterback. So him sitting at eight to one, you think there's going to be value on that? Maybe a re-energized Aaron Donald, and rightfully so. But for my money in this market, I want the guys that have the chance to get 20 sacks in a season. Garrett, TJ Watt, Parsons, those are the type of guys that can do it. That's where I would be looking here. Parsons is a fascinating guy going into year number two. Uh, certainly, you see him up there at 10 to 1. The next two guys are the Bosa brothers, though. The FanDuel Sportsbook uh, Twitter account yesterday actually asked the question, who would you rather bet between the two Bosa brothers? Nick is at 12 to 1, and Joey is at 20 to 1. And obviously, you try and figure out the value. There's a reason that Nick has a shorter price, but it's justified to me. If you made me bet a Bosa brother, I think I am betting Nick. He had 15 and a half sacks last season. That's more than Joey has ever had at any point in his career. Compound that with the fact that Joey Bosa plays for a subpar defensive coach like Brandon Staley. And I think I'd much rather bet Nick Bosa as we talk about those defensive player of the year odds, even at a shorter price. Now, also, you have to take a look at as well, like we talk in Major League Baseball, Aaron Judge there being the leader in the clubhouse. Why? Because he's got a really good football team. If I'm looking side by side, I got to tell you, the Chargers are a better football team, and maybe they'll be up more times, Kevin, at the end of the games with better chances to get sacks. I'll go Joey Bosa in that 20-to-1 price here. They're going to have the better team up in the fourth quarter. And also, if they can win a division or make the playoffs where you might not think the Niners can do it, that also gives you that added bump there as well. Yeah, 100% makes sense there. If they, Look, every time I just start to think about the AFC West, it gets really interesting. Uh, you know, like, again, the Raiders were the playoffs. Chargers were on the cusp. The Kansas City Chiefs were the Kansas City Chiefs. And Denver added Russell Wilson. You know, yeah. we are not there yet as it pertains to full kind of breakdowns and, and more so the, you know, kind of the prediction lane. This feels like, a, a, you know, if you line up four people to give you their AFC West predictions, you're going to get three different answers. You know, and there's going to be some sneaky Raider picks out there. There's going to be a lot of Chiefs. Man, the Chargers and the Broncos are going to really, really catch people's eyes just to give you the perspective there, right? So Kansas City's, what, plus 155 to win the division? So what would the odds be on, on Kansas City to not win the division? Almost minus 200 DRS that KC doesn't yeah. win the AFC West? That's something to think about. No, it certainly is. And there's a lot to think about. Once we get to July, like July is football season. We are a week into June. Just feels like Mm -hmm. it just ended. I can't wait for this. Yeah, it's coming up here. We got a lot of baseball preview coming up. I want to make a point about offensive player of the year. And they'll break down this baseball board next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... 
No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Back right here on the early line. Baseball previews coming up. We were talking defensive player of the year odds, so I wanted to make a point on offensive player of the year. First five names you will find on that odds board. Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, Nick Chubb. What stands out when you hear those names to me? Not a single one of them is a quarterback. We've been wondering, should this award just be the best non-quarterback since MVP is such a quarterback-driven award? And rightfully so, by the way, that the MVP is a quarterback-driven award. Now, the NFL has not announced that Offensive Player of the Year is going to go to a non-quarterback, but is is this, is it almost like an unwritten rule, like the way, you know, Major League Baseball style, that this is going to just be an award built for running backs, wide receivers, and, and tight ends here when you see these odds, Donnie? Yeah, they got to change the name of the award. They really do because it doesn't make any sense because the MVP is a quarterback. He plays on offense, but he's not the offensive yeah. player. That, I mean, stop the madness at this point, right? So if you just make a – what could we even name it, right? Because it's called the NFL Offensive Player of the Year. It, it can't be called, like, non-quarterback player of the year, right? Like, we got, like there should be – somebody can come up with a snappy player. name. Exactly. Yes. Like something that makes some sense here because you're right. Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, Nick Chubb, Patrick Mahomes, 16 to 1. So you say to yourself, you know, anybody who's just new to gambling, by the way, uh, I'm going to get this market. NFL offense. Oh, man. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, sounds good. Patrick Mahomes. Awesome. Oh, well, look at he won the MVP. All right, good. He's definitely. No, wait a second. They gave it to a running back. That doesn't make any sense. They just need to tweak the name of that because then it'll be much easier to explain what that award actually is as opposed to saying, how did this guy win MVP but not be the best player on offense? You know, the thing is, if you go now over the last five years, Mahomes and his 50-touchdown, 5,000-yard season is the only time a quarterback took home Offensive Player of the Year. Todd Gurley won it. That was the year that Brady was the MVP. Michael Thomas won it. That was the year Lamar was MVP. And then Henry and Cooper Cup, the two Aaron Rodgers seasons. But to your point, Josh Allen is 7-1 to to win MVP and 16-1 to to win Offensive Player of the Year. If you pet Josh Allen, an offensive player of the year, he goes out there and wins MVP. Like, you should be in the hunt. You, you, should, you should firmly be in the mix to take this down. It, it's, it's such an interesting thing. Now, again, I don't mind it not being a quarterback award, but he, under the same guideline, let's say Derrick Henry wins MVP next year. I know it's not likely, but just bear with me. He's going to win offensive player of the year, right? Isn't he? feels like it. It feels like it's the right way to go in that point, yeah. I think, listen, if, if Derrick Henry wins Offensive Player of the Year, I don't think all of a sudden they're going to say, all right, now we can give Mahomes 
or Derrick Henry wins MVP. Yes, Mahomes is not going yeah. to get Offensive Player of the Year. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to then yeah. all of a sudden pivot to quarterbacks, are they? Like, Offensive Player of the Year is the best offensive player that isn't the MVP? Like, is that the better way to describe it all of a sudden? Yes, it, it could be kind of fun if it worked opposite there. Like, okay, uh, this guy gained 2,300 yards on the ground, so he's the Offensive Player of the Year, which then leaves open the MVP, which then can go to a quarterback. <laughs> it's kind of funny because it's supposed to work the opposite way. Like, you win this award first. Quite frankly, the same thing in college football. We have the Heisman Trophy and the Maxwell Award, which is basically another Heisman Trophy, but it's never given to the same guy. It's like, who are you guys going to pick over here? Oh, Devonta Smith? Okay, well, we'll give it to somebody else and make sure it's a quarterback or somebody else here. So it, it's supposed to work hand-in-hand. They just have to change it. And quite frankly, do we actually need an offensive player of the year? Do you actually even need this? Is this just a made-up yeah. award? Like, you say, okay, a Hallmark holiday. Like, hey, best friend's day. Buy a card for your best friend. Do we actually need <laughs> that holiday? Same way. Like, you know what I mean? We don't need the offensive player of the year. Stop. Hold on a minute now. You don't want to celebrate best friend's day together? I don't understand. What about best what host happened? day at the grid? I mean, if, if there was a best host day at the grid, I'll tell you, DRS mm. be getting a lot of cards in the mail, I think. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I know you get them from at least one person. All right, since we're doing Myself. this, I'll bring up – I know yeah. you love the NFL stuff too, so let me bring this up quickly. Jonathan Taylor with better odds than Derrick Henry, completely wrong. And I'll, and I'll do you one better on that. I, I know most people haven't looked through this stuff yet. Most regular season rush yards, Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry are co-favorites. That is completely wrong. Jonathan Taylor has no business with the same odds as Derrick Henry. Last year, Derrick Henry averaged 117 yards per game on the ground. Jonathan Taylor averaged 106. I know Derrick Henry was injured. Am I supposed to think that Derrick Henry is going to get injured every single year? How about the year before where Derrick Henry won the rushing crown with a 2,000 yards? 126.7 yards per game on the ground. Do you... Do you, am, I, am I slandering Jonathan Taylor here? I don't think he has any business being in front of Derrick Henry for offensive player of the year or having the same odds to win the Russian crown. I don't, maybe the next great thing where you say the guy like Jonathan Taylor not injured here, hitting the ground running. Derrick Henry injured last year. A lot of wear and tear on him in NFL, you know, style, NFL styles as opposed to Jonathan Taylor. I can see why they posted Taylor early because he's that one of those guys where you say – after first, after three games of the season, he might have 525 yards rushing. He just seems like the bigger play threat, even though we've seen Derrick Henry rumble up and down the field and routinely outrun cornerbacks and safeties. Maybe yeah. just for the injury angle and coming back, Jonathan Taylor gets a slight nod. Again, I almost like Henry Moore coming off the injury because I know he's healthy. He, he played last year in the last Tennessee Titans game of the season, and I'm just not going to bank on him being injured back-to-back. Like, here's a topic you'll insanely like to talk about. Who's more likely to be injured next year, Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry. No, it's not. No, he's not. It's Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> because Jonathan Taylor went out there well, and played I... the whole game. Also, uh... also there's, a, there's a decent chance that you have no idea what the question was. And you just heard the two choices and then said Derrick Henry. So I heard, I, I'm just going to pretend that I'm just going to – You can't set me up in like a spider web. You're like, oh, Donnie just said Jonathan Taylor gets the nod. Who's going to get injured next year? Jonathan Taylor. You idiot. You dummy. I walked you right into that. You ain't walking me into stuff like that, man. Too quick for that. Yeah, listen, give, give, me, give me a minute or two. I go on a long-winded rant, sneaking a question back to you. You'll have no. You already did about two questions ago. Did you know the quick answer? Yeah, I know. I I don't even know where this question is going at this point. Trust me, I know. Get 
Get your hosting capabilities I'm, up over there. I'm, You're supposed I'm, to make it easy yeah, on me. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. One of these days, I'm going to hit you at the Why don't you expand on that after you give me one of those short answers just to, just to yeah. see how, how quick yeah. you can actually move uh, on the needle. I'm not sneaking in baseball preview because there's a couple things that happened yesterday that I thought uh, were worth mentioning. One, we don't have to break down. Eduardo Escobar mm-hmm. hits for the cycle as Carlos Carrasco moves to 7-1 and one on the year and strikes out 10 Padres. I thought that was noteworthy. Here's the big deal. The LA Angels had two hits in the first inning, one for Otani, one for Trout. They held the Boston Red Sox to one run. They got complete game shut out by Michael Walker, who only allowed three hits in the baseball game. I, The Angels are a complete and utter disaster right now. I mean, this team's lost 12 games in a row. They were 27 and 17, 10 above 500. They're now two under 500 here. And this has to be the worst one yet. You return home and Michael Waka puts a complete game shutout on your head in your own building? you got to be kidding me, Donnie. Yeah, I actually liked this game yesterday. I took the Red Sox as a plus 108 price, and it wasn't so much yeah. where I had an added advantage, Kevin, saying to myself, boy, you know, Waka's so much better than Syndergaard. I thought you might get a balanced pitching performance out of both of those guys almost to watch, and quite frankly, it was a one to nothing final. But this is one where the Angels are just really struggling. And also keep in mind, Boston Red Sox were already out on the West Coast. And the Angels were on the East Coast swing, getting lit up day in and day out, fly back there. I didn't think it was just going to get better overnight here, and it didn't. They didn't score a run, and outside of a couple games in Philadelphia, you saw the New York the New York Yankees series. They were terrible, scoring like one run a game. Something just isn't right with this ball club, and it's a shame because two weeks ago, we were saying to ourselves, could they challenge for the AL West? Will they get into the playoffs with Trout and Otani? And it looks like we're going to be left again saying, how can you have two of the best players in baseball and consistently not even get into the playoffs when the playoffs are even expanded? It doesn't make any sense. It's really, really tough. Look, they are right now one and a half back of Boston for what would be the last wild card spot, right? So it's not as if it's a disaster. But let me offer up a little bit of perspective here. Right now, the FanDuel Sportsbook has odds to make the playoffs. The Angels are plus 125 in front of Boston at plus 150. There's no way I would. If you if you made me bet one of the two, I'm betting Boston. I am. Boston has, has really started to turn that corner. Uh, their run differentials up to a plus 39, five consecutive wins. I I just cannot trust the Los Angeles Angels. Do, do you disagree? Plus 125 on the Angels. Plus 150 on Boston odds to make the playoffs. Would you rather bet L.A. or Boston in that spot? I mean, quite frankly, you probably would be better off betting the Angels just because the division that they're playing in as opposed to the Boston Red Sox over the summer. But if you're just looking at team, 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 team and saying, who do you probably think prevails? It would be the Red Sox. Why? Because the Angels haven't shown me anything under Mike Trout and anything under Shoy Otani other than putting up statistics and everybody else being terrible. Like we pointed up before the show, that what those guys and the four hole below last night, 0 for 3, 0 for 3, 0 for 3, 0 for 3, 0 for 3. I mean, you can't do that here. But this is what the Angels do. Mm-hmm. It really is. This Red Sox team was 11 and 20 and are now 28 and 17. I mean, that's 18 and 7 over your last 25 is just some fantastic baseball that this group is playing right now. And the, the thing with Boston is you never know if Chris Sale is going to come on back and, and what that can do, but they are getting some, some look, Michael Walker does not have odds to an AL Cy Young. His ERA is sub is sub two right now, which is unbelievable. Evaldi's been all right. 
Pavetta has had a couple of moments here and there. I'd, I'd rather be on Boston than the Angels, but I guess at some point you'd expect those two MVP candidates to turn it around. All right, we've still got plenty of time for the baseball preview, which is coming up next right here on the Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Live right here on SportsGrid, this is the early line. As we take a look at the baseball board, there's a couple of spots that will start to catch the eye. And one of those is NL East action with the Miami Marlins and the Washington Nationals set to face off. Considerable price here for these Marlins at minus 180 right now. Total is eight and a half as Edward Cabrera gets the ball. When you're lining these two teams up, where's the edge? Yeah, if we take a look at the edge overall, and sometimes you look at these teams and you say to yourself, well, what actually is the best path? Maybe just a fade a bad pitcher and a don't is that. If we take a look on the season here, Kevin, an XFIP minus of 132, which again, that benchmark is 100. Anything above that is certainly, you know, not as good as if you were, let's just say, at an 80 or a 90. He sits at the 132. So theoretically, with 20 innings pitched today across this entire Major League Baseball card, he's the worst pitcher out here. You take a look at his ERA, 5.98, his XFIP of a 5.28, and a disaster Sierra number of 5.24. Is this one of those where you just say, I have a young pitcher on the Marlins without a lot of innings this season, or do I just go up and fade Washington? Quite frankly, the better point of approach for me, probably just to fade the Washington Nationals and their terrible pitching staff. What's interesting, though, for me is that Don really fits the mold for me when we talk about a strikeout prop here. Uh, this number is three and a half. Uh, the, the projections that I often use, I've gone over the process extensively on, on Moneyline, which is, by the way, back in action today, 1 p.m. Eastern start time on Sports Grid Radio. Uh, we won't get into all the details there, but double projections, check the box on Adon. The key is he has to make it through. You can't only get three, you know, three innings from this guy getting lit up. The thing is, the Nationals are so terrible. This guy's got a one and nine record. They're like, listen, 
You go out there, you're going to throw 85 to 90 pitches, and we'll pull you. So regardless, almost, seems to be the MO there. At three and a half strikeouts against the Miami team, that is bottom eight when we talk about strikeouts per team. That is a number that I will be looking at there. Three and a half, that minus 118 juice is not bad at all. That is actually something that early is jumping out to me here on the baseball board. We'll keep this thing moving with some interleague play. Tampa Bay and St. Louis. Tampa at home is around minus 160, and the total here is an eight. So St. Louis Cardinals are going to do it again. I'm telling you right now when we talk about uh, will they, won't they from the postseason perspective. Only a half back now after the Brewers have dropped three straight from that Milwaukee squad, St. Louis is going to look to keep the momentum rolling. How do you see this matchup playing out? Yeah, one of the things I like about here in this early season, or it's not so early anymore, June 7th, but that whole XFIP high number, but weighted on base percentages being down, you're going to get that today from Hudson. If we take a look on the season, Dakota Hudson, a 120 XFIP minus, which again is 20% higher than what your Major League Baseball average would be, so struggling a little bit. But take a look at this, Kevin a 2.96 ERA. So if you're just going through those old school mentality, you know, from the mid nineties or early two thousands, you'd say to yourself, where do you sign up on Dakota Hudson? He's been absolutely sensational, but it's not the case here. If you look at his X FIP number, that is a 4.81 and a Sierra of 5.13, which is right up there with the dome. So if you're just looking from a perspective of the Tampa Bay Rays, you're probably just going to go out with the fade of Hudson, but looking at his weighted on base percentage, which is crazy, not a lot of strikeouts, too many walks here. He does have a pretty good ground ball percentage, which is key. But look at his weighted on base percentage to lefties here in 2022. 275 to righties, a 318. ISO power numbers low also to lefties, an 070. And to righties, a 128. And as we know, we don't have that much of a powerful lineup here for the Tampa Rays down in the trop. They just don't hit all that much in that ballpark. But if we flip it over to the other side here and get the pitching matchup, Springs has been very good. And he's absolutely dominated, Kevin. Right-handed batters, which is interesting. Why? Springs is a left-handed pitcher, but if you look at the lefties, they've actually done some damage through 40 at-bats to the tune of a weighted on base percentage of 344. But here's the issue, Kevin, as always. Looking at this lineup, we are going to have eight right-handed batters in the lineup outside of Donovan, who will be a lefty in the nine-hole here. So Springs is a better pitcher against righties. He's going to face a ton of righties, even though that lineup doesn't mm. strike out all that much. Got to lean towards Tampa Bay in this spot because if you have a high XFIP guy and you're sort of getting by with that ERA, sooner or later it's going to catch up to you. Maybe it does tonight. Tampa Bay for me. And here's another interesting note on Dakota Hudson. Five starts at home, five starts on the road. At home this year in St. Louis, 135 ERA. Outside of St. Louis, 468. So he has been touched up on the road. If that trend continues, it's a nice spot to back the Rays, as DRS is talking about. I know you wanted to talk about the Yankees and the Twins. I don't have odds right now. I think it's because we don't know who is supposed to officially go for Minnesota. What about this game are you looking at? The Yankees are throwing Tyone. Was it based on him? Is it based on maybe a projected Minnesota starter? What's the uh, What's appealing to you from that game? Yeah, we're projecting Sands, the young right-hander here for the uh, Twins to be on the mound. He's got a high XFIP number. It doesn't have a lot of batters that he's faced here. Actually under 40, but here's the, you know, gist of the argument that you're going to always make towards the Yankees. How are they going to do against this pitcher? Well, in the early season here, roughly under 40 at-bats, 19 to lefties here. That's a 348 weighted on base percentage and ISO power number of 294. To right-handed batters here for Sands, who is a right-handed pitcher, that's a 396 weighted on base percentage and an ISO of 250. 
How many times do we talk about, or at least I talk about here, when we come up with the Yankees? What's the middle of that order going to do here? And that is Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, and it looks like Donaldson as those two, three, four, fives. You have a 480 weighted on base percentage against right-handed pitching, 356, 365, and 359, all with elevated ISO power numbers. Now, typically, when you're betting a team or a team total, you like to have that fluid offense where you say, from one through nine, I got a nice mix of weighted on base percentage and ISO power numbers. You never get that with the Yankees, and it doesn't seem to hurt them. And if you have, again, Stanton and Judge in your lineup against a pitcher that hasn't been around the block that many times, it's usually going to be the Yankees for me, even though we don't have an odds board today. But that Yankees team total Mm -hmm. always pops up in situations like this. Ready for this little trend here. So so I'm assuming a little bit, but I think the Yankees will be favored in this game. Minnesota has been a home dog seven times, one in six in those baseball games. Mm. When Minnesota has been, and that team is 17 and 11 in Minnesota this year. So think about that. They're 16 and five when they are favored in Minnesota. One and six when they are booked to lose at home this year. So a couple of things really jumping out on a Yanks team that enters winners of six in a row. Let's go back to Red Sox Angels. We've talked about the Red Sox a lot. We've yep. talked about the Angels a lot. And both for good reason here. A dozen consecutive losses for the Los Angeles Angels. We do not have an odds board up at this very moment, mm-hmm. but I believe it's Detmers and Whitlock. You tell me if I've got any misinformation yeah. as it pertains to that. Where are you trying to line this up? Can the Angels get off of this slump? I, and why would you be betting for the Angels at this point right now? Like, I understand. Like, I saw even yesterday, you know, everybody's on social media. Hey, look at his price. I mean, why would a minus 130 favorite here for the L.A. Angels are playing so bad? That line speaks to me here. And I said the opposite. I said, you know, it speaks to me. A team that just can't get out of their own way. And also, look at the way they lost. Obviously, if you take out that Yankee series, they didn't score. They were finally going to end that long skid here against the Philadelphia Phillies with a 5 to nothing lead in the fifth inning, a 6-2 to two lead by the time you got to the eighth inning and you lost that game, and then you took a 3,000-mile flight home, and you got shut out again at home. So if I look at Whitlock, who's been very good on the season here for the Boston Red Sox, and you go up against Devers, a young pitcher, this isn't like, I don't know, Jacob DeGrom or Clayton Kershaw in their prime coming on the mound saying, I'm going to stop this because this is what an ace pitcher does. If you're relying on a rookie, yes, we know that he threw a no-hitter and he has the capability to really elevate his game, but he still has a high XFIP number, and if I'm looking from a Boston Red Sox perspective, they've actually done very well against left-handed batters. If you look at the first five guys anticipated in the lineup tonight, look at these weighted on base averages. 355, 400, 467, 409, and 378. Sometimes you just ride these streaks and say, until you prove me wrong, Angels, I'm going to keep betting against you. It, it makes sense, though. It does. One interesting note, uh, again, so the Red Sox and the Angels have already had a series against one another. Uh, Detmers, when he went up against Boston, he was all right. But Trevor Story actually had the nod in the leadoff spot in that game, and it paid off. He saw Detmers three times. He doubled off of him twice, which and it was at bats two and three. Now, last game out, just for perspective, Story was batting in the seven hole. It's interesting to see where he is slated, but you're going to get plus money on two-plus bags for Trevor Story. If he really does like that Detmers matchup, it's an interesting number to try and look at and line up there tonight. Again, don't have all of the odds just yet, but we'll see when they come out. All right, we have enough time definitely to bring up Mets-Padres, which I want to continue to talk about here because the Padres are minus 130 with you Darvish on the mound. It's Taiwan Walker who goes for the Mets, and it's another 7.5. 
yesterday. This game early, three runs in the first inning for the Mets. I went live on a 10 and a half, and it paid off. Late runs continue to pour in for the Mets all game long. They scored 11 in their own right. A Luke Voigt homer had the Padres land on five. The total says low scoring. Yesterday, we saw both teams put out. What are you lining up here with the Padres and the Mets? Yeah, usually yesterday I said I like the Mets in probably a lower scoring game at that point because you had the, you know, one of the better pitchers ballparks didn't work out. But as I look towards today, I had that sort of Boston Red Sox feel here where I just want to ride this team over the Padres because the Mets are playing very good baseball with or without Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, or Tyler McGill. Now, if we look at you, Darvish, hasn't been that bad this season, but if we look at the Mets lineup and how it lines up here, because quite frankly, Darvish has a little bit higher exit than you would feel comfortable with, but his weighted on base percentage to lefties here being Darvish a right-handed pitcher is great. A 240 with an ISO power number of 057. To righties, a 120, or excuse me, 128 batters that he's faced. That's a 282 weighted on base percentage and a 111 ISO power number. But take a look at this offense here for the New York Mets coming in. Now, if we had a more tomato can on the mound for the Padres as opposed to Darvish, you'd be locking and loaded on the Mets here regardless of where they were playing, pitchers ballpark or not. Look at the weighted on base percentages here for the Mets against right-handed pitching in 2022 from this anticipated lineup. Nimmo, 329. Marte, 328. Lindor, 352. Alonzo, 383. McNeil, 384. Guillaume, 390. And at a 606. You're talking about seven of the nine batters with elevated weighted on base percentages. I'll take them. Mets are a good ball club. You give me the Mets tonight, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. You mentioned Lindor. Now, again, sample sizes are never too big. 10 at bats, five hits with a double. Starling Marte, 13 at bats, five hits and a double as well, and a home run. If that's a spot where you want to go for a little hitter prop parlay, it could jump out. Uh, We don't have Lindor, though, listed right now in that market. So that's one of the things you have to kind of wait on when you talk about pricing it out. But Marte and Lindor are guys that could stand out. I don't know if we have time for full, full breakdowns here. Were there any other games that were catching your eye early, maybe some pitchers to target? Yeah, I don't know about pitchers to target, but one of those games where we're seeming in the mode to try to take overs now, rightfully so. looks like some of these bats are waking Mm -hmm. up. But a game where I don't know if the bats are going to be all that awake here, Kevin, Detroit Tigers and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Anytime you get Detroit in a game, you automatically start looking to the under at this point. But I got to tell you, if we're looking at a Pittsburgh lineup that's starting to wake up a little bit, going up against Scooble today, he's been very good on this season. So maybe an under look. And again, one of the better pitcher ballparks in Major League Baseball, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, listen, the the Pittsburgh Pirates have... um... Man, they've been an interesting group, haven't they? They own the Dodgers. It's one of my favorite things in all of baseball early season. Uh, a couple of other notes for you on this board. Uh, Manoa is going for Toronto today on the road. Minus 200 road favorite. That's a big number. Verlander, minus 255 at home today off of Seattle. That game was intense. Little ninth inning brawl there. Julio Rodriguez hits a ninth inning home run. 7-4 win. And lastly, Dodgers-White Sox. Fun series. Kopech, a home dog against the Dodgers. I know that's going to catch people's eye. Up next, listen up. DRS will close it out. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. 
the squeak of shoes on a basketball court, the crack of the bat on a home run, the slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, last segment of the day right here for the Early Line Sirius XM Channel 159 right here on the grid. And as always, 7, 9 a.m., we got you covered here, Donnie Wrightside and Kevin Walsh. Before we hand it over to Ben Stevens and the morning after over the next few hours, setting the table for your sports grid day. Now, hey, we're certainly waiting on the NBA Finals to get back underway. We don't have a game tonight. We do have a Major League Baseball full slate. But I got to tell you, something's creeping up, which is very interesting. And that's the Live Golf Tour. So you people, listen up. All right, listen up here. Now, it's a nice Tuesday morning. It is golf season, but you know what's kind of interesting here? The Live Golf Tour. And will it last? And the reason I bring this topic up today, because, again, we have a lull in the NBA schedule, NHL. Sure, we have a game tonight, obviously Major League Baseball. But this is something that I'm always passionate about, where other leagues try to intervene with a top league. We see it all the time with the National Football League. We know the NFL is king, but we continually get the USFL, XFL, AFL to try to make a run and say, let me get in in this market and see if I can make some money and wedge some of that money out of the NFL owners' pockets. And it never worked. And quite frankly, why doesn't it work? You know why it doesn't work. The football is inferior. If we're going to have a paying product and you have a season where the NFL is king, I don't need bad football in the offseason. So USFL, AFL, they're not going to make it very long. And no matter how many leagues come on top, it's not going to make sense. But the Live Golf Tour is interesting here. There's a lot of money behind it. You saw Dustin Johnson this morning actually resigned from the PGA Tour. Phil Mickelson is going to play here. You're getting a lot of money just in appearance fees to go over, which Tiger Woods, supposedly getting close to a billion dollars, he did decline. But if we're getting back to what makes sense here for the Live Golf Tour, I don't think it succeeds. We want the best golfers. Where are the best golfers in the world? On the PGA Tour. It's why the PGA will be king as long as those players stay put here on that tour and not the Live Golf Tour, no matter how much money they try to lay out. We want great golf. That's with the PGA Tour. You know what else is great? Staying on the grid here with Ben Stevens. Coming up next. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.